Talk Recorded live. All right, Jack, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. This is Jam Radio Network. Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a billion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil Slug King and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark, and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ag Council. (laughs) Teach me another one. Okay. A chick in a car and a car won't go. That's the way to spell Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. That's right. Dad, how about Mississippi? You ready for Mississippi? Okay, let's go. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one 877 dad or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas? One in 300 million. The odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, Maryland, spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One in 800,000. The odds of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 110. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
so will I treat the people living in Jerusalem. I will set my face against them. Although they have come out of the fire, the fire will yet consume them. And when I set my face against them, you will know that I am the Lord. I will make the land desolate because they have been unfaithful, declares the Sovereign Lord. the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley oh The blood, the blood of Jesus gives me strength. Yes, it does. From day to day. Oh, you still will never, never, it's never going to lose. Never going to lose its power. Come on and sing it like we were taking communion on Sunday morning. Just lift your voice and say it reaches. Miss 
This is Morty Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. And good morning. Good morning, Gospel Program. Morning Inspirations here on Talk to You and Jam Radio on this midweek Wednesday. Good morning once again. Time for our morning prayer. Dear Father God, we come before you this morning, Sunday. Thank you for waking us up. Let's just have to open. Thank you, love, Lord. Thank you. It was in the sense, Lord, that we've done knowing and unknowing.
for the Cubs that she charged. Their hearts went out to these little ones who were now helpless and in mortal danger in the wild. So they took the Cubs home to raise them. But lions in the house? It didn't take too long to realize the futility of raising the king of the jungle in one's home. So when it became too much to do, two of the lions were sent to zoos, but Elsa, the third lioness, was kept for just a little while longer. But circumstances soon made her benevolent captivity impossible as well. So the Adamsons, not wanting their favorite cub to be captive and enslaved, not only in a zoo but also in the non-natural confines of their home, they decided to return the cub to its original home in Africa. After all, that's where it was born free, and therefore that is where it should freely live. Born free, free to live as God intended. You can almost feel the heartbreak of the movie, the tragedy of having to orphan the cubs, then raising the animals as if they were part of your family, only to have to let them go again into the dangers and opportunities of real freedom. Doesn't just sound like a movie. Those emotions sound a bit like real life, don't they? Well, that's because they are. Freedom, the desire to be free, the need to be free to worship God, to love and serve one another, that's what it means to be human. The Apostle Paul says it best in Galatians 5.1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again with a yoke of slavery. Human beings created in the image of God were meant to live in freedom, in love, in peace, and joy. That's the Bible's message. That's the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. But born free? The reality of modern human life is that we seem to be born in captivity. We seem to be born in bondage. Our world is a world that works to keep people in their place, and history is filled with facts of physical slavery and bondage among all peoples in every nation. In fact, that devastating reality still exists today. Still today, there are people who are trafficking and trading people as if they were commodities. Ours is a world of various bondages. Freedom is the anomaly. There are physical and emotional bondages that overwhelm us. Yes, even worse, there's a spiritual bondage from sin, guilt, and shame that human beings suffer that keeps them hopeless, helpless, and discouraged. Born free? Now, the reality we experience is that we're born bound, bound to our sin, our guilt, and the death spiral that begins in our lives from the very day we took our first breath. And no matter the money, no matter the fame, no matter the political power of the moment, all human beings are broken at that soul level with no power to ultimately fix the problem. Just do a self-check today with me, would you? You know the Bible's true here, don't you? You know that deep down inside you sense the brokenness, the, the guilt for things you know you should do, or the, the guilt you suffer for those things you shouldn't do but can't seem to overcome? Even amidst life's successes, there seems to be struggle and bondage at every turn. Maybe the movie of our lives should be born bound, get used to it, right? Wrong. Wrong. And it's not just wishful thinking that makes me say this. My encouragement to you today is not some hope against hope message that we human beings can make a difference if we just try harder. No, faced with reality, that's just another kind of hopelessness, isn't it? 
this good news of Jesus Christ, then, is not of this world. It's not something you're born into. This is a gift of God. This is something that is reborn into you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, just like the cubs in the movie, there is one who sees the condition we're in and can do something about it. There's one who understands the big picture of your life and can make life happen for you. The Adamsons were that to those cubs. They understood their plight. They took them in. They raised them. And even when Elsa was to be set free back into the wild, they prepared her. They taught her how to hunt again. They prepared her for the rigors of freedom. The movie ends not just with the releasing of Elsa into the wild. It ends with the Adamsons coming back a year later only to find out that Elsa still remembers them. And now she's not only safe, she has three cubs of her own. Jesus reminds Nicodemus that God is the one that makes life possible for him, for all people again. He tells him that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God sees human bondage for what it is, a death sentence, and he has sprung into action for us and for our salvation. Incredibly, Nicodemus doesn't just get a lesson about this. He gets to meet the one who's come to free us from our bondage, to set the captives free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor for all who believe. Our gracious Father in the sending of his Son offers us real freedom, a freedom that comes through repentance and faith, a freedom that comes in our adoption as his sons and daughters, a freedom that comes when we are reborn in his name by the power of his Spirit. To be free, then, to live freely, we must be born into it. Or as Jesus says here, we must be reborn free. As Jesus himself says, we need to be born again. The bondage we're in, the problems we face, the struggles that are a part of the water we drink, the air we breathe, the broken heart that beats in our mortal bodies, well, no religious fervor, no political policies, no self-help resolutions are going to overcome that bondage. As Jesus said, you need a new life, one that only God can give you by grace, by his spirit. Okay, Pastor, I've heard preachers talk this way, you know, be born again. But I'm like Nicodemus. I'm a bit confused. How can a person be born again? That sounds impossible. That's a great question. In fact, Nicodemus has it right. We can't do this. So let's learn, like Nicodemus in the lesson, he was a good man, no enemy of Jesus. He was a fervent religious leader. He wanted to do what was right. He wanted to live a righteous life. But but more than that, he wanted to know this Jesus. There was something radically different about him. It was as if knowing him could change everything. Why else would Nicodemus come to see Jesus in the dark of night, risking everything, his religious leadership, his public standing, everything? And now Jesus tells him straight, you must do, you must receive the impossible. You must be born again for the life that God wants you to have. Nicodemus has to be thinking, okay, Jesus, I'm here, but I'm still not getting this. Please help me. Well, I feel like Nicodemus at times. How about you? He was listening as hard as he could, but he still wasn't getting it. So Jesus patiently explains it to him. First, he explains the problem. 
That which is born of sinful flesh is captive to sinful flesh and all that it entails. But even in view of that reality, Jesus says there still is hope because there's another type of birth, a birth from above, a birth on God's gracious terms. One becomes born again by being born to faith by water and the Spirit. See, God takes ordinary water, attaches his name, his spirit, his promise to that washing, and delivers to his people his life and salvation as a gift. Washed in his name, in his spirit, God brings about your rebirth by grace. The hope Jesus provided Nicodemus is the same hope Jesus provides for you and me. This rebirth, this being born again, is not some frivolous religious ceremony. It's an invitation to be connected to the one who saved you through an event of grace. You know, sometimes when people read this lesson, they make the mistake of thinking that all flesh is sinful. You know, all earthly stuff is bad. All spiritually heavenly stuff is good. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying because of your sin, your sinful flesh perpetuates itself. But my flesh lived out for you offered for you on the cross, resurrected for your eternal life, that flesh literally saves you. And Jesus can deliver the good news of the gift of his life and salvation to you in earthly things that you can receive and understand as well. His flesh, his gifts at the flesh level of our life, those save. It's amazing that we can read and hear the words that are God's words to us. We can taste of his goodness in a meal called the Lord's Supper when we receive Christ afresh, we can also literally be connected to his death and resurrection. How? By being baptized, washed with water in his name. We have a Savior who comes, not to condemn the world. The world's on that condemnation path on its own. He comes to save and deliver the salvation that only he can. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. To be reborn free, then, is to receive the gift of life and salvation of Jesus by faith. To trust that what he's done for you, what he says of you, that's you. His promises become yours, his life becomes yours and his purpose in life becomes yours, too. To be reborn free is to live freed lives by God's grace, with God's love for others, just as Jesus lived life for you. If you're washed in his name, reborn free, that means your life will change, too. But even here, the Holy Spirit is Christ's gift to you to help make that happen in your life. That kind of gracious transformation doesn't happen overnight either. It's a daily revisiting of that washed into our life grace where we die to ourselves and rise in the grace of Christ to face the challenges of the day. To live reborn free lives is to let God have his way with you, to follow his lead, to learn from his word, to imitate the one who has already saved you 100%. You know, winter is the time of car shows in the United States. It's, it's something that I love to attend with my daughter, Devin. We each have our favorite cars, and we love to see what changes have been done to them or what new designs might be in the future. As I was thinking about how to illustrate the reborn free life that we get to live now in Christ by the power of his spirit, that's right, what came to my mind was cars. <laughs> Let me explain. As I was thinking... 
What would happen if a Volkswagen Beetle wants to become a Cadillac? Well, first the Beetle would have to leave the VW lot to join the Cadillac family, right? Well, that's the least it could do. But doing that still wouldn't change its VW identity at all, would it? How about if you took the Cadillac emblem and put it on the VW? Well, that would be more of a change, but still it's a VW with minor changes. That's all. What finally has to happen is a trip not just to the dealer lot, but to the refiner's fire, to the steel ovens to be remade, to be melted down, poured out, and molded into the real thing, the new thing. As Christians, our lives will go through similar transformations as we grow up as Christ's people, living life that he's already made possible for us by his death and resurrection. John 3 tells us that God loves us, loves to save us by his grace. But the rest of the Bible tells us that he also loves to see to it that we become all that we were created and redeemed to be. And that included Nicodemus, that includes you, and that includes me. Nicodemus had it right when he said, rebirth, how can this be? What a joy to realize that rebirth isn't a work for us to do, but a gift for us to receive. I love how Martin Luther explained this spiritual rebirth. He said, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. Ordinary means for extraordinary grace. Nicodemus got to learn and receive that too, that in Christ, God has a fondness for the ordinary and an affinity for the finite. Nicodemus learned that God extends his love and grace, especially to the common level of our lives, the place where most of us live and work. In fact, God doesn't just demonstrate his love. He communicates it so that you and I can receive it. There are all kinds of places in the Bible that illustrate this, places where God uses ordinary means to communicate his extraordinary blessings to ordinary people. Look at how God revealed himself to Moses in a bush, an ordinary bush. Look at the means of transportation used by Jesus as he entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, a donkey, a lowly beast of burden. Remember Jesus' first miracle. It included some ordinary stuff. He changed water into wine. Water, wine, common stuff of daily life. And look how Jesus taught. He communicated the kingdom of God in words, simple, ordinary words. God has a fondness for the ordinary and an affinity for the finite. Even more, he has a love for ordinary people like you and me. He has a reborn free life for you to live right now by grace through faith. George and Joy Adamson gave the gift of freedom to Elsa the lioness cub. They, they literally raised her and restored her to life in the wild. It was a touching story. But sadly, George and Joy, the two granters of freedom in the movie Born Free, didn't ultimately experience the same freedom as their Elsa. Not only did they both experience the brokenness of relationships among other struggles in their lives, but each one sadly was murdered violently, suffering the ultimate indignity of this broken world. I don't know if they knew the one who could reborn them free, even from the travails of this world. I pray that they did. But you and I today, this very day, we can know him and the new birth that he gives. 
the Jesus who receives Nicodemus, who calls him to faith and life in himself, he is calling out to you today, too. What is impossible for you and I to do on our own to free ourselves is possible in the freeing work of Jesus Christ that he himself applies to us with his baptismal grace. Be baptized, believe in him, and know the joy of not just being reborn free, but living reborn free now and forever. Amen. Seminary Chorus. Next week, Pastor Seltz returns with a message for the third Sunday in Lent based on the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. An unexpected encounter with a stranger brings about a surprising blessing. Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? In our new series of Lenten devotions, Pastor Wayne Palmer reflects on the words of Psalm 22 as they predict and describe the sufferings Christ took upon himself in order to pay the debt of our sin. What does it mean that Christ was forsaken by God, that Christ suffered God's wrath in our place? Lenten Devotions from Lutheran Hour Ministries, now available at lhm.org. A 
young man suffering a terminal illness discovers that the purpose of living and the purpose of dying are really one and the same. For his thoughts on life, death, and faith in Christ, read The Purpose of Living, The Purpose of Dying. For a free copy, call the Lutheran Hour toll-free 1-855-JOHN-316. The Men's Network provides free resources for men's ministry. Go to LHMMen.com. Each week, the Lutheran Hour shares the good news of God's forgiving love for us in Jesus Christ. Your prayers and gifts help us share that message directly through education and media and indirectly by supporting congregations and church bodies in their outreach efforts. Consider becoming a monthly supporter to partner with us. To learn more, go to LutheranHour.org and click on Automatic Giving. Together, we are bringing Christ to the nations and the nations to the church. Now, Pastor Self leads us in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you always his peace. Amen. Pastor Gregory Seltz responds to questions from listeners. I'm Mark Eicher, and today here's a question I think that really hits close to home. Maybe you've noticed this. People don't seem to get along with each other all that well, sadly, not even in church. Is there something we can say about this? Mark, that is a close-to-home question, and there's, there's no excuse for people to continue to hold grudges or hurts. But here's the real perspective to answer this question. Where there are people, there is sin, and that includes being at church. You know, the Bible doesn't evade this issue either. If we look in the book of 1 John, we read, Since God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. And if anyone says he loves God but hates his brother, he's a liar. Good point. And the key here is to understand then what we mean by love. What do you mean? Well, you see, as sinners, we come to church because we know that we need to repent and to receive God's forgiving love for ourselves. So church isn't a place for people who have figured it all out. It's a place to come where our lives can be redeemed and restored by the one who loves us and all people. So if people aren't taking responsibility for their actions, that's a problem that needs to be addressed because God's love says so. And in order for us to love each other as Christians, we need to start by admitting that we often mess up and we hurt others, 
and we have to turn to the Lord then in repentance and faith. Exactly. So there are going to be times when our foolishness gets the best of us, even with those we love and care for. And the Christian faith is well aware of that as it calls all of us to the foot of the cross in repentance. But the good news is that life doesn't have to remain that way. Faith in Christ also empowers us to live the life that God has given us in his spirit. Does the Bible give an answer here as well? Sure does. Now, now there's no easy answers for all personal issues. It's always best to get specifics about a personal problem or argument before giving any advice. But there are some basic things that we all need to think about as God's forgiven, loved people. And the first point is this, that Christians, even though they may act foolishly or maliciously, daily they're called back to repentance and faith and then challenged by God's spirit-filled word to look at the situation differently, namely through Christ's eyes. In that sense, faith is giving us a different perspective on things. Yes, it is. Just think about it. If we truly believe in Jesus, then the question for all kinds of issues in our lives is, well, what does Jesus wish for us to do as his people? And when it comes to dealing with hurts or anger or frustration, even with fellow believers, there is a third-party perspective that is real in our lives. To see this in the light of Christ and the example that he set? Exactly, but, but there's even more than that. It's how has Jesus treated us when we were hurtful to him, what he did to us, what he did for us. Then look at that person standing before you who has maybe hurt you. Then think to yourself, if that person was me and I was Jesus, what would he do for me? And prayerfully by his spirit, act accordingly. You know, I'm reminded there's a small book in the Bible that speaks to this issue, doesn't there? I think you're talking about the little book of Philemon, right? right? That tells the story of a runaway slave named Onesimus, and we read in that book how people can be reconciled when they treat each other as fellow believers in the unity of the Holy Spirit. That's right, and there's even more in that book. Paul literally is also willing to pay the temporal price for the person who has offended, you know, Onesimus. Paul willingly made amends, paid his debt personally as Jesus did for him and more. And that was the key in this case to help reconcile Onesimus with Philemon. Powerful stuff. We're talking here about a unique kind of love. Right, but it's not because Paul is perfect or Onesimus is perfect or Philemon is perfect. They had their good days and bad days like everybody else. But they also had a love from God that made all the difference. It was a love that needed to be received as well as shared. It challenged them daily to be different with the Spirit-filled words showing them how to love a totally different way than anything else in this world. So the world will begin to know that we are Christ's people because they see his love active among us, sometimes even in spite of us. Thank God for that. And God grant we become better at practicing that love for each other. And Thank you, Pastor Seltz. This has been a presentation of Lutheran Hour Ministries.
on Jam Radio 2.1.
Mind Block Radio. Turn it up.
churches use surveillance cameras? Legal insights for pastors. Here's a word from attorney David Gibbs Jr. A pastor of a very new church called the Christian Law Association with a problem. He knows having two adults present at all times with children is a safeguard against liability. With such a small congregation, however, having two adults in the room was often difficult. Our attorney suggested consider using surveillance cameras. The law allows property owners, in this case the church, to install and use surveillance cameras on their own property. The church can now have more adults attend the main service and know the children at the church are safe and watched for. If you have any questions about the use of surveillance cameras, please call us at CLA. If it's been a while since you've been to our website, you really ought to check it out. ChristianLaw.org is a virtual tool shed of legal tools, legal advice for pastors and ministries, answers to difficult questions, links to helpful PDF files, and much more. Then there's our Legal Alert newsletter and a link that lets you contact a CLA attorney. So check it all out at ChristianLaw.org. Again, that's ChristianLaw.org. Jesus declared in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As the church of Jesus Christ, we aren't supposed to cower inside our buildings in a defensive posture as if we were under siege. We aren't to look so much like the world and act so much like the world that no one can tell the difference. We aren't left here to hold the fort until Jesus rescues us. He said the gates of hell shall not stand against our attack. That means we're to be on the offensive. Isaiah tells us to cry loud and spare not. In other words, we need to do as God commanded us to do to advance the kingdom of God. Determine now to live each day, including today, as a vital part of the Holy Ghost-filled Church of Jesus Christ, against which the gates of hell cannot stand. Satan's methods, there's nothing new. Answers with Ken Ham, whose ministry is building a full-size Noah's Ark south of Cincinnati, Ohio. The Apostle Paul warned us about Satan's ways. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul warned the Christians that Satan would use the same tactics he used on Eve in the Garden of Eden. And how did he trick Eve? Well, he created doubt about God's word, knowing it would lead to unbelief. Did God really say that? Satan asked Eve. You know, that's the same question many Christians ask today about Genesis. Did God really say six days? Did he really say worldwide flood? Did he really say death came after sin? One of the most effective ways to create doubt about God's word is by teaching evolution in millions of years. And Satan knows that if you can get people to question the book of Genesis, which is foundational to the rest of the Bible, then this doubt will ultimately lead to unbelief regarding the rest of Scripture. We need to accept God's words in Genesis and not let the devil use his old tactics to spread skepticism about the entire Bible. Can we really accept the book of Genesis as true history? Did Noah really build an ark to escape a flood? Solid answers are given in our 95-page pocket guide, and for your copy, all you have to do is call us toll-free and make a donation of any amount. 
1-888-89-ANSWERS. Today's the last day to call and request the ARC Guide. So call 888-89-ANSWERS or go to our website of AnswersOffer.org. You are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1.
Jack, the new guy, looked like an unmade bed. Slacks with no crease, shoes scuffed, hair messy. The guy's shirt style was perfect for 10 years ago. Yet other than his rumpled appearance, the new guy looked to be on the fast track. The bosses gave him one plum assignment after another. This confused Jack, and he challenged the manager. It's simple, the boss said. This guy's work is outstanding, best on the team. You can help someone look good. It's hard to find someone who is good. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Laity Lodge. It's true that looks matter, but our ultimate goal is performance. Appearances can deceive, but excellence never will in the high calling of our daily work. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Communities improve. The path to success starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor, or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Close your eyes in Chicago. And you can hear the sound of zebra braying in Africa. Look hard out your window in D.C. And you can see the snow-covered peaks of the Andes. Stand on a corner in L.A. and feel the hot wind of the Sahara brush across your face. The world is that small. We are that connected. Please visit earthshare.org and learn how the world's leading environmental groups are working together, making it so simple for you to make a difference. Because we are many, and we are one. Please visit us at earthshare.org to learn more. Earthshare. One environment. One simple way to care for it all. A public service message from Earthshare and the Ed Council. To Jack, the new guy looked like an unmade bed. Slacks with no crease, shoes scuffed, hair messy. The guy's shirt style was perfect for 10 years ago. Yet other than his rumpled appearance, the new guy looked to be on the fast track. The bosses gave him one plum assignment after another. This confused Jack, and he challenged the manager. It's simple, the boss said. This guy's work is outstanding, best on the team. You can help someone look good. It's hard to find someone who is good. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Laity Lodge. It's true that looks matter, but our ultimate goal is performance. Appearances can deceive, but excellence never will in the high calling of our daily work. This is Ann Graham Lott with Daily Light for Daily Living. 
The best news ever is what Jesus promised in Hebrews 13:5. I will never leave you or forsake you. You and I can be where Jesus is now and for all eternity because he lives in us, and he has promised he will never leave us or forsake us. Others may leave us through death or abandonment, a spouse may leave us through divorce, or disease may threaten to rob us of someone we love. But we have God's presence. When the fire of adversity increases in intensity, you have God's presence. When you're overwhelmed by burdens or depression, by loneliness or betrayal, you have his presence. Think about it. There is not one place in the entire universe, visible or invisible, where Jesus is not. He is the great I am, fully present, age to age the same. This is Anne Graham Lott. You are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1.
Would you join with me, please, in prayer? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you that you loved me enough that you became a man and died on a cross, paid the price for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm sorry for my sin. It's my sin that puts you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day, by the power of God, you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead, so tonight, Almighty God, 
You are raising me from the dead. From the death of sin. You are giving me a new life. The life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment, I believe I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Hallelujah. Saved. 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 Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way. There is no other message. For there is no other way. There is no other message. Oh, come to him. Come to the Saviour tonight. Come to him just as you are. Come to him in your sin. Come to him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself upon his mercy and upon his infinite grace. Cast yourself holy to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation? For how will you escape? If you neglect so great salvation, how can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Oh. 
right, Jack, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. This is Jam Radio Network. This is Jam Radio Network. This is Jam Radio Point One. This is Quiet Storm Inspirations. You are listening to the Lighthouse Hour with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. You are listening to Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. This is Morning Inspirations on Jam Radio 2.1. You are listening to Quiet Storm Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Jill, why didn't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a billion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark, and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. (laughs) Teach me another one. Okay. A chick in a car and a car won't go. That's the way to spell Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. That's right. Dad, how about Mississippi? You ready for Mississippi? Okay, let's go. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one eight seven seven for dad 411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas? One in 300 million. The odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, Maryland, spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One and 800,000. The odds of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 110. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks in the Ad Council. This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Oh, 
Yes, it does. From day. 